All right. Good morning. Good to see you. As we always start out asking our guests if you would please fill out the registration. If this is your first or second time, rip that off and drop it in the offering plate. And then we just remind the rest of us to please read the details um, that, that are in the bulletin. I will like, I point out some things, but uh, don't have time to just mention all the details that are involved. Christmas Eve is a Sunday. And so we'll be having our two services and then a, one Christmas Eve service. So that'll be a great day. Got a lot of some special things planned. You really want to be a part of that. Uh, basketball, read about that, how to sign up for it, how to get involved, get your kids involved. Uh, this Tuesday is our seniors ministry called Joy, where they have like a fall fest out here, outside, chili cook-off, lots of good food, campfires. Uh, they have a, a great time. Love to have you come. Um, let's see. We are going to, I'm going to start announcing it now and probably even mention it in a sermon or two. We are going to have on January the 10th, that is a Wednesday, we're going to have what we're calling, Who Are We? Come and See. And that is simply a chance for you to meet all the staff and the people that are leaders of the church. Maybe they lead a small group or they're trustees or they're council members. But, and it's not for, we're not going to try to recruit you. You know, we're not going to be handing out stuff you know, trying to get you involved. We just want you to know who we are and just say hi. Uh, hopefully we'll get a lot of you come and we're gonna have some refreshments so that uh, we kind of draw you in with that if we could. Um, but anyway, please make a point of that, write it down. And today we got some great messages in the words of the songs and we're looking forward to worshiping with you. So let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad than I put my faith in Jesus. Call it never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So
who you are this morning, Lord. So worthy of our praise, our Redeemer, our Healer, with us, Father, all the time. We thank you so much. We praise you this morning that we can be here for health. We praise you, Father, and thank you for the week that's coming up when we can get with family and just remind one another how much they're loved by each other and loved by Jesus. We're grateful this morning, Lord, for so many things. When I look out here and I see all these people, I'm grateful for each and every one of them, Father, that they come searching and they come and they love you, Jesus, because you will bless them for it, Father. Thank you for this time of offering. Bless it in your holy, holy name, we ask. Amen. you are and just stand and honor God and sing with me. This song means a lot to me. I hope it does to you. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. No, no. 
sleep and throughout our day, God, you are good. And that is all you know how to be, is good. Be with us this morning, God. Be with us today and this week, Lord. Help us to remember that you are good. And help us to be thankful for that, God. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you got it. All right, for Nan, good job, buddy. All right. That's an inside joke from the first service. You'd have had to have been here to know all about it. Well, today we're starting a new series on purpose as we end, I think, as we come to an end of a new year. And I'm going to piggyback this on a series that I did at the very beginning of the year, which you wouldn't remember. I don't remember the names of the sermons myself, but I remember what we talked about. I did a series called Follow Me, and it was about following Jesus. I don't know, seven or eight sermons I think we did. 
And what we're going to do now is, I think there's about three or four sermons. Today's sermon, by the way, is two of them. Uh, we, there's not enough time to get it all in, so I'll be finishing this sermon next week. And I did find in the first service a good cutoff, so I'll, I'll, I'll cut off at the same point that we did there. But we're going to be talking about having a staying faith, a faith that stays. You see, most of you in here, probably most, have made a commitment to Christ. You know, we're at different levels, I'm sure, of obedience and spiritual maturity, but probably most of you would say, I made a commitment. I believe in him. I've trusted in him. And that is awesome. But the thing that he wants to do beyond that is to get us to the finish line and for us to have a faith that stays and that doesn't quit and doesn't give up. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, you might even call this series a state of the church. You know, they have a state of the union address in February. One of our commissioners last week did a state of the county. So I thought, well, I'm going to do a state of the church. So what I'm doing in this series is I'm mixing in some details and some things about Gulf to Lake Church that maybe you didn't know that will, will help you to understand why we want to do what we're doing um, and, and hoping that you will get more involved, of course, come on board with us um, as we make that decision. I am, like many of you, I am very, very concerned about the young people and the youth that are growing up today. I'm very concerned. I'm concerned that they, they're, they're getting it. A lot of them are getting it. You know, they're, they're, if they're in our youth group, they're getting what they need to get. But my heart's desire is that they continue to get it at home. And that what we teach them and what we say from the pulpit and what uh, Pastor Brian says over on Sunday nights, that that is carried on in the home and that it's reinforced in the home because, folks, that's about the only chance they got. We get them for an hour or two and then the world gets them all the rest. And the world is trying to lead them away from Christ as far away as, as he can get them. So we've got a, we've got a job to do. Uh, it's, it can be an enjoyable job, but it's still a job. Um, and we need to have staying faith. If you're sitting at my desk in my office and open the door into the hallway, on the, on the hallway wall right across, I've got a huge, huge map of Citrus County from the Gulf all the way to uh, the lakes of Inverness and I mean, it's big and a lot of details in there. As I've told you before, I love maps. I love geography. Um, and I love seeing that. And the reason that I put that there is to remind me regularly who we're trying to reach. When we started the church before we had ever had a service, and we, were, we knew that we were going to start a church, but we didn't know, I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what name to give it. And so we're renting a house over off of 44. There's, um, it's that, you know where the Prohibition Grill is now? Well, right there, there's a road called Virginia and it goes back in and then there's another road called Florida Sun and we rented a house back there. And so one evening I'm doing my run and I'm, I'm running out the road and I get out to Highway 44 
And the first thing I see is the sign, the direction sign that says Gulf to Lake Highway. And it just clicked. I said, that's what I want to do. I'd like for us to have an influence from the Gulf to the lake. And so having said that, that is part of what we're trying to do here at Gulf to Lake. Now, we all have the experience of starting things with enthusiasm and then kind of petering out along the way. Anybody beside me? Start out at some things with, oh man, I just, oh, da, da, da. and you get about halfway through and you wish you'd never, never started it. Well, if you do a basic Google search, which I did day before yesterday, and I typed in things we start well but don't finish, it'll kill your computer. It'll, free, it'll freeze up, you know, it'll want to burn up. No, but it, it really is more than you can handle. Diets. How many of you like me are in the midst of a lapsed diet right now? I, listen, I start a diet every Monday morning. I'm serious, I do. Every Monday morning, I start a diet. My workout plans, I mean, I used to have no trouble with that. But now, you know, I, I think, okay, I want to do this on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and this on Tuesday, Thursday, and that doesn't work out so great. Um, years ago, when I used to run a lot, I had a dream, I want to run a marathon. I never did it. Never enrolled in one of them, never did it. Um, reading my books. To the left of my, on the left of my desk are two books that I'm currently reading, and in front of me here, stacked like this, are the next 10 books. And, and I'm really trying to find 15, 20 minutes a day to be able to grab it, you know, and, 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 and finish those books. Some of you trying to sign up for healthcare.gov. I mean, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's supposed to be funny. That's a biggie for you. Or which Medicare commercial are you going to believe? That's another one. Tell you right now, I don't like that old lady that screams. On, I, I just can't stand that commercial. I wish somebody would knock her off. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just disgusting to hear that over and over again. Well, what I mean is this. In the life of faith, in the life of faith, we also have the experience of starting something well, but not finishing it well. Now, I don't, maybe you resolved a lot of years ago to read all the way through the Bible and you haven't done it yet. Or you're gonna read through the Bible at least once every year. And, I, and by the way, if you read a seven or eight chapters, I think a day you can read through it almost twice with eight chapters. But, or maybe you, know, you wanna memorize scripture. And you hear me say often up here, man, that's a scripture you ought to know that you ought to have that one memorized. And you haven't done that yet. Or um, maybe it's uh, a destructive, sinful habit that you know you need to quit or you want to start being generous and you want to give and, and start. And we're going to be talking about that, by the way, in this series. So if you want to quit for the next three or four weeks, I may bring up giving and tithing and giving sacrificially might do it. Or maybe you're a young boy or a young girl or maybe older and um, you made a resolve, man, I'm going to stop dating people who aren't spiritual leaders that don't really know the Lord and they're not strong in the Lord, but you get, you get, you know, you get lonely and you start wavering in that resolve to wait for that man or that woman that God's got for you. And when you don't, you know what happens? What did we talk about last week? You sail into a storm. 
So I want to talk about staying faith, the kind of faith that not only makes the commitment, but that sees it through. You know, in looking for stories in the Bible, and that's what we always do, we, we look for stories that back up what we want to say. And, and I, there was one that just jumped out. In fact, it kind of hit my mind before I looked it up. But do you remember the story that Jesus told about that there was a daddy that, and I think it was two brothers or two, yeah, two brothers. And he said to them, I want you to go and do this work. And one of them said, oh, I'll go. And then didn't. And the other one said, I'm not going, but later changed his mind and did. And what did Jesus say? Which one was the father most pleased with? The one that did it. Not the one who made the promise, but the one who saw it through. So it is with this, us. So first thing for you to write down today is this. It's not just making a decision that counts with God. It's seeing it through. Seeing it through. On the sign out front, for a year now, it has said, all in. 2023 vision, follow, follow Jesus. Remember? And so in the beginning of the years, I told you I did a series on that. And now I'm doing a series on all in. That's basically what this is all about. Telling you about the church, telling you as we talk about stories in the Bible uh, of what it means to be all in and to follow through and to be a part of what God is doing. Um, so we're going to be doing that for several weeks. But one specific application of what we're going to be talking about that I have for our church is a commitment that we would go all in, write it down, with the mission that God has given us at this church. The mission that God has given us. Now, we know this. Every Bible-believing church would say that we believe that we have as a mission to win people to Christ. That is our bottom line. If it's the sports ministry, if it's the children's ministry, if it's the youth ministry, if it's seniors, if it's um, men, if it's women, even though we meet together and they fellowship and they do specific functions, the whole bottom line is we hope and pray that somebody will get involved in those ministries who don't know the Lord. And that we can lead them to Christ. Or if they do know the Lord, we can help them to grow and to become more faithful to the Lord. You know, last year, uh, as we kind of were talking about this in a lot of sermons, we've got more people involved in small groups now than we've ever had. Thank God for that. We have got more people now who have been plugged into ministries a lot of the greeting and ushering and, and things like that than we've ever had before. We've had a lot of people more than ever before who got involved in serving our community. And we got a lot of people who never before went on a mission trip. They went to Alaska and it was their first time to do something like that. Well, during this, this even though we were doing all that, I'm going to tell you this because it really will fit in with some of the things we're going to talk about in the scripture that we're going to get to in a few minutes. But last year has also been one of the most difficult years we have ever had. I mean, it has been, in, in spite of all those blessings, it has been the, the sickness 
that we've experienced, the accidents, the surgeries, the cancer, the, the, the death that, that we've dealt with here, hurricane, tornado, and so forth. It has been a difficult year. But I want to tell you something. You know that it's been difficult for me physically with the back thing. And by the way, today's 24 days, no pain. So we thank God for that. But in spite of that, in spite of the heart issue and everything else, I have been closer to the Lord than any other year of my life was this year. In spite of all the things that we had to, to deal with. So we're going to be asking you to get involved. We want to build the ministries better. You know, we, we want to devote uh, even more to helping the needy uh, in our community. And I'll be sharing some things with you as we go along about that. For those of you who've been here uh, last year and maybe years before that, what I want this to be for you is a time of renewal, a renewal where you focus your eyes on where Jesus is taking us as a church and what he wants from us. To me, for you, it's like me giving you a halftime speech. You know, when I was out in Colorado, I still coached out there before I went into ministry. And I was not uh, a head coach or even a coach of a particular group, but I was more of a cheerleader. And that year, we had a man that came, came for one year uh, to our school. His name was Dave Warmack, passed away some years ago. Dave Warmack came, he came out of Illinois and we had an unbelievable, only one year. He left there after one year and went to Grand Junction, Colorado, where they won two or three state championships. But Dave Warmack was an unbelievable pregame speech giver. I mean, you, you just learned to be and love to be in there. But what he asked me to do was he said, Lord, I want you to be the halftime speech giver. And that was because I was really into the kids individually. Don't quit. Don't quit. We got another whole half. We can do this. Don't quit. And, and, and cheering them like that. That's what I would say to you today. We're halfway there. Don't quit. You know, and, and let God make you uh, renewal. Now, for those of you, and by the way, for the more than 100 of you who were not here last year, I want you to know that what I'm saying to you is we're drafting you onto the team. Okay, you're getting drafted on the team. Now, let's again, to be clear, this, this isn't the only application. We're going to talk about other things, but a lot of it is going to be all in. Now, let's go to the scripture. Matthew 14. If you, of course, it'll be on the screen, but this is a great passage right here. In Matthew 14, we have a rather infamous story of a man who faltered at times in his faith. His name was Peter. Peter was the main human character in the first 12 chapters of Acts. After that, it becomes Paul's story. But in the first 12 chapters, it's about Peter. And everybody loves Peter, especially us guys. You know why we love him? Because we're so much like him. You know, we see ourselves in him. Peter was big on promises but sometimes short on getting it done, right? That, that was his life. And Peter, by the way, was not his real name. Did you know that? 
That was a nickname that Jesus gave him that meant rock. His real name was what? Simon. And of course, the Bible at times will say Simon Peter to identify him. But that was his real name. And I want you to see this about Peter because it's the same thing about me and about probably you. Right before the crucifixion, Peter says, Jesus, I'll never deny you. I don't care if everybody else does. I won't. And I'll follow you even to death. See, that's the Peter part. And Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll deny that you even know who I am three times. And he did. That's the Simon part. In Acts 2, Peter is the first one to declare that God has included the Gentiles in the gospel. We Gentiles can be saved. That's Peter the rock. But later, some years later, don't know exactly how many, he refused to eat with the Gentiles because he was afraid that the Jews would show up and wouldn't like it. That's the Simon in him. Today, you're going to see a story today and next week. Today, you're going to see a story in which he said, Jesus, if that's really you, I want to walk on the water to where you are. Now, as I told you before, thank God he's the only one that shows that kind of courage. That's Peter. Lord, tell me, I want to step out of the boat and walk to you. But right in the middle of it, he gets scared, gets his eyes off the Lord. That's Simon again. So I want you to write this down. We're going to use Peter's name, but we could put Lloyd, and we could put your name. Peter, like all of us, had a faith side and a fear side. Did he not? Peter's like that. Got a hot side and a cold side. And then I remember what Jesus said over in the book of Revelation. He said, look, I'd rather you be that. I don't want you lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold. And that's, of course, what Peter was doing. And I think a lot of times we're like that. I need two names like Peter. I, I need that name, Peter, Rock. And then I need a name like Wimp, Pansy. You know, when things get really rough that, you know, that, that I don't do what I should do. All right, verse 22, let's jump in. Matthew 14, verse 22. And by the way, Jesus has just fed about, about 15,000 people at least. You say, Pastor, isn't that kind of an exaggeration of the scripture? Because the Bible says 5,000. No, the Bible says he's fed 5,000 men beside the women and children. So my guess is there were more women there than men. And there was no daycare, so my guess is a lot of kids were there also. So I believe there were over 15,000 people. Anyway, what's that first word? Immediately. Sometime when you're reading your gospel accounts, look at how many times that word is in there. It says immediately he what? What's the next word? Made. Not ask. He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Last week, you know, when we talked about a shipwreck, this is an almost shipwreck. But here's, the, here's what we're supposed to glean from those three or four verses. He sent the disciples into the storm. Did you get that? Do you understand that? He sent them into the storm. 
Now stay with me on this. Have you ever heard the line, well, the safest place to be is in the will of God? You ever heard that? I've heard it, I've said it, and I believe it. The safest place to be is in the will of God. Now, what I want you to understand is this. Even though that is true, there is a sense that we need to understand that sometimes people confuse that to mean that everywhere God sends you is going to be safe and easy and like a walk in the roses. And that's not true. And when I hear, listen, when I hear people say and I read their websites and go to their websites and see their statement of faith and it'll say things on there like, because Jesus died for you, it is his will that you never get sick and you should always have prosperity and whatever you need, God's going to give it to you. Folks, I find nothing in the Bible that backs that. But I do find him saying that, that you know, yeah, I'm going to be with you all the way. And in that is going to be your victory. But it may not be easy while you're getting there. Here, they obeyed the direct command of Jesus and ended up in a storm. Amen? They did. And we need to understand this. And you say, why are you telling us that? Listen, this next statement is vital for you as a Christian. You need to understand that so that when the storm hits you, you don't assume that you're out of the will of God. You may not be out of the will of God. You may be in the will of God and the storm still hit you. In fact, certain storms are part of the will of God for you. You say, boy, you better give me more. Listen, read the New Testament. Read the New Testament. Let me give you another one. Write this down first. God is not just trying to do something for you. He's doing it in you. In you. Now watch this one. To me, this is even more compelling. Acts 20. Paul. To me, the greatest man of faith beside Jesus that ever lived. At times had faith to raise people from the dead. At times had faith and healing power to heal people. Other times did not. Sometimes as he gave testimony in Philippians, I've had everything I want. I know how to be happy with a lot, with not nothing at all. You know, I've been through this, I've been through that. But now watch what he says here in Acts 20, 22. And now compelled, that means forced, by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships await me. That's quite a statement for people that believe that it's always going to be wonderful. Paul understood that those trials to which he was referring were going to be part of God's will for him. And you remember, Paul wanted to, we talked about it last week, Paul wanted to go to Rome to preach. But I don't think he wanted to go in chains as a prisoner. But that was God's will for God's perfect will to be completed. So when you make a decision in faith and it gets difficult, don't be surprised by that. Don't let that shock you when you say, I'm going to be all in. I want to to serve the Lord in that church. I want to do what God's called me to do. Don't be surprised when things start going wrong or feeling like they're going wrong. You have an enemy 
that will immediately want to go to war against you when you want to turn to Christ. And what is God doing? He's trying to test my resolve to see if I'm going to stay true to him. So write this down. The biggest thing God is doing in your life is teaching you to trust him, to trust him. So faith, watch this now, faith usually will lead you through difficulty, not around it. You got that? Through difficulty, not around it. Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, okay, you're going to pass through the waters. I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know what I want my Savior to tell me? I'm going to take you, Lord, around the water. Or I'm going to build you a bridge over the water. That's not what he said. I'm going to take you through the water. And what does that mean? He takes me through the water to show me, write it down, his grace is deeper than the water. And his presence is stronger than the fire. Amen? Are you listening? He wants me and you to be able to trust him in any and every situation, good, bad, or indifferent. So write this down. Faith will lead you through difficulty, not around it, but it will take you through it and bring you out safe on the other side if you stay close to the Lord. All right, back to the scripture, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, which, by the way, is 3 to 6 a.m. And that means to me, what that means to me is they've been battling this storm for a lot of hours. Six to eight hours, they've been battling the storm. And you know what that means, too? It means that Jesus did not come immediately, right? He let them fight the waves and the storm for most of the night before he came. Let's finish reading it. He came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So let's talk about this for just a few minutes and then we're done. Because I got to stop at a good cutoff place. Notice about this. He does not come to them immediately. Can you think of any other place in Scripture where that's true? How about when a man named Lazarus died? And there were two sisters left, Mary and Martha. And this was the family that the Lord loved more, I think, more than probably any family that he had contact with. He loved them. In fact, when Lazarus got sick, Mary and Martha sent a letter or a messenger to Jesus, and here's what it says in John 11. Lord, the one you love is sick. Believing, of course, he would come immediately and heal him, and he didn't. Tell you what it says in John 11. It's a good title for a sermon. Get a lot of attention. Here's what Jesus said. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Go see it. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. But then he finished it so that you may believe. So there was a reason, of course, for them going through that storm. You know, 
There's a, as you know, the, um, some of these stories are told in multiple gospels. And one of them, a parallel, we call it a parallel passage, is found in Mark 6, 48, where it says, he meant to pass by them. Talking about Jesus walking on the water, it was like, and he intended to just go by them. Just go by them and not stop. What does that say? It says they had to call out. In their, in their need, they had to call out to the Lord for help. Now, again, write this down. Please don't overlook human initiative in trying to gain the help of God as you struggle. He's there to help us, folks, but he wants us to ask him. He wants us to pray. I know a lot of people say prayer, there's no need to pray. I've read that on a lot of these um, websites. I've, I've read a few people. I'm not going to tell you their particular denomination, but, you know, God's going to do it anyway, so there's really no need to pray about it. But you know what? God tells me to pray. And if for no other reason, that's why I should do it. You know, now he may have it all, and he does have it all figured out. But listen, as um, C.H. Spurgeon, I love Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Love the things he says. I, I post a lot of that for some of you that are friends to read. But he said this, until the Lord gives me a roll call of the names of all the elect, I'm going to keep preaching whosoever will may come. Um, verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, ask me, or what's the next word? Command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So notice this as we end. Jesus did not fix their problem by making the storm go away immediately. What did he do? He gave Peter another command, come. One pastor that I read this week made, said this statement. I'd never heard this before or this, this theme. And I thought, wow, I, I got to think about that. So I'm going to share it with you and ask you to think about it. Here's what he said. Notice in this story, Jesus did not fix the disciples' problem by making the storm go away immediately. What he did do was give Peter another command. Come. So here's his point. If you're in difficulty, maybe we should stop asking God to fix the situation and ask him, what's your command? What do you want me to do? Stop demanding and start listening. Matthew 14, let's go now and finish it up, 29. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. See, folks, there's a time for long prayers. There's a time for short prayers. Really. The true story, I told the first service, Pastor Steve first got here. He hadn't been here, I don't think, even a whole, a whole year. And we were out to eat with somebody. We were interviewing, I think, somebody for a job or, or something. And he was there with us. And we were with the family. And, and I said, well, Pastor Steve, would you pray before we eat? And, you know, it was like two or three minutes. And when he finished, I said to him, Pastor Steve, just bless the food and pray later. <laughs> and he... He has never let me forget that. Every time we go out now, he, he has that same thing. Okay, I'll keep it short. And he does. When you're sinking in waves, that's enough. 
Lord, save me. Jesus immediately, there's that word again, reached out his hand. He's always close, isn't he? When you just need him. And took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, next week, what I'm going to tell you is this. Why is this story even in the Bible? We're going to find out next week why this story is in there. I want to ask you to bow with me. We're going to have a time of decision, commitment right now, if you will. I'm going to ask you to think about surrendering and being all in. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. Would you pray about being all in? Would you pray about in this series getting involved? Our children, our youth, our worship. Sports, they all need help. They would welcome help. And the reason is we'd like to get as many of you involved as we can so that we have many hands that make light work rather than wearing out those that volunteer constantly. We'd like to get you involved and be a part of what God is doing as we fulfill the mission of following Jesus. And my next question would be this. If you were to stand before God today, something happened and you had to stand before God, and he said, why should I let you in heaven? What would you say? Would you say, well, because I, I was baptized when I was da-da. I took my first communion. You know, I, I went through catechism. I've tried to live a good life. All of those answers would be no. The only thing that he will accept is you should let me in heaven because I believe in and trust your gift of Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I've asked him into my heart. I believe in him. That's why I should come. Have you made that decision? Would you be able to say that to the Lord today? If not, would you pray, please, right now, in your heart, telling that you know you're a sinner. He knows it. You know it. But that you believe in his son. That over 2,000 years ago, you believe he died on a cross and shed his blood and rose again for you. And that you can put your faith in that, you can be saved. 
anyone maybe in their heart just agreed with that and prayed that prayer? Would you just put your hand up and write back down? Anyone at all prayed that prayer in your heart? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Father, we do praise you and thank you for this message today. Uh, I have depended a lot on your making it work together, be cohesive in some way. So thank you for what you've done and the way you've blessed. Touch your people once again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. We love you and stay well.